0: Hello and welcome to wgwg.org. Thanks for clicking on this podcast. Jeff Powell in the studio with you, joined as I am each week by the big sports fan Matthew Testner. Hello, Matthew. You always welcome me.
1: I, I You're always welcome. want to say something other than thanks, Jeff. It's good to be here, but it is good to be here.
0: Well, we're talking about something you are passionate about, sports. So yeah, it's good to be here. Sports and food all day long. You know, as a as a music fan. This has been a tough year. We've lost a lot of people. As a sports fan, we just lost a major icon.
1: Yeah, Muhammad Ali, uh, one of those names that you know whether you are interested in sports, interested in boxing. He's just one of those figures that is a social, cultural, political, and yes, sports and entertainment icon. Yeah, And someone who has been reflected on at great length in, in the last week or so since his death. And someone who continues to be talked about and will continue to be talked about, he's just one of those as as the word often is polarizing figures. Uh, and and but to you me, know,
0: I think as time has gone by, some of the controversy is kind of worn off, faded. And, and just this sort of great career and this very um, charismatic, interesting man has remained. So maybe not as controversial as he was at the time.
1: I definitely think so. And I think that's what time does to someone like Muhammad Ali and his story and his life. Uh, we were just talking before the podcast even about the perspective of boxing and the, the reach that it has and what does boxing mean to, to different generations. You go back 50 years, boxing, along with maybe baseball, was one of the more watched and more followed sports in America. And, yeah. Now you don't see much about boxing, and, and it is about UFC or, or mixed martial arts type uh, activities than it is boxing. And people still box, people still kick box, but it's not a mainstream
0: sport. Mm, not like it was. I mean, when Muhammad Ali was the champ three times, um, it was primetime TV. People talked about Howard Cosell at ringside, the whole thing. Uh, it was a big deal, yes
1: was a almost just a it was more than a household name it was an institution and that's that's one thing i was interested in you know we see the word uh, of course the words the greatest that's what he called himself and that's what people people know know him for he he was great at self marketing i think he was one he of the was. great uh, early promotional athletes who was able to get his name out there, and he called himself what he wanted to be called, and we're still calling him that today. So I'd say he was successful in those efforts. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in seeing the greatest and legendary and uh, some of those words, I was looking through coverage this week, and I thought, what are some of the other words that that pop up? And and some of the ones that came to mind or or I saw over and over again, meanest, thrilling, showman, uh, charismatic, and unorthodox, which I thought was interesting, and I actually, not being an expert in boxing by any stretch of the imagination, knowing very little about the sport itself, but being a general fan and student of sports, was interested, okay, why was he unorthodox? And and that was something I was unfamiliar with. Uh, apparently, he had a style that you wouldn't want to teach, and you wouldn't necessarily want to learn and try to use, because apparently other people did. And they got their faces bashed in even more than than he did because of his style some. Uh, And it was not something you could really emulate and be successful with. He had a, a, a fairly, as I understand, orthodox stance. But then he did not hold his fists, his his hands, his gloves up near his face to protect himself the way he should, and in doing that, he left himself open to a lot of punches and and a lot of beatings, uh, which you already get beat up in boxing, so you don't mm-hmm. need to do something to make your you get beat up more. Mm-hmm. So combine that with the fact that he did showboat and often dance around the ring and uh, you know play to the crowd, and those two things together, I think, made him uh, take a little bit more of a beating than than. some other boxers of his era, so I was just interested to see some of the things that made him different and made him unique and what made him stand out. And of course, we talked a little bit about the controversy and, and, and time, and uh, you know, his, his saying he's not going to, to serve in the army during Vietnam, and uh, you know, his changing his name from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, even, and all the things that, that made people talk about him decades ago. And, and now we don't, we don't think about that, like you said. We just see him as this charismatic, just very entertaining figure. Um, you know, I could just look at the pictures of him. Seeing some of those pictures, his eyes are haunting. Uh, he always was either playing to the camera, or it seemed like the the photographer was in the right spot or something. Because the pictures of Muhammad Ali, I feel like, are as good as great as any sportsman of all time.
0: As uh, as fuzzy as this term is he always had a twinkle in his eye he did and you know i don't know how to define it better than that but he had this twinkle in his eye and and even in later years when the parkinson has taken his toll i've seen some interviews done with him uh, in which he pretty much would not speak because he was very aware of how his voice sounded but but he was joking around he was kidding around and and he had that twinkle in his eye especially if he was interacting with his fans or with kids it was there.
1: And it was a multifaceted twinkle because sometimes it was a happy twinkle. Sometimes it was a, I'm going to beat you in the ring, and I'm serious about that. I'm the greatest, and I say that for a yeah, reason twinkle. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it just it, I think a twinkle in his eye is a good way to describe it.
0: And the rhymes. The rhymes were good.
1: <laughs> his quotes were fantastic, and USA Today put out a list, and I'm sure other other publications did as well, but that was the first one I found of some of his greatest quotes. And it was interesting that that one of those quotes, and I've seen it attributed to a couple other folks too, so I don't know who now said he it stole first.
0: some stuff, yeah.
1: But, but one of the ones, and I believe maybe he took this one from Gandhi, because I've seen it attributed to Gandhi as well, but uh, one of the big ones was... Um, I'm looking here on my list. I've got a few notes to not forget that your freedom, I believe it is, is the uh, or your service, your service to others is the rent you pay. For the room you have here on Earth, okay, and um, stumbled a bit there, but that that really stood out. He, he
0: said it better than you did. He
1: said it much better than I. did. He didn't stumble. <laughs> he he spoke with conviction. He did. And I think the most charismatic people in history, whether they be political leaders or uh, sports icons or, or what have you, they speak with conviction. They don't have to search their notes like I like I just did. But I did think that one stood out, and and I think that's that's an interesting perspective from our seats here at Gardner Webb as well because. Service to yeah. ourselves, uh, our, our fellow man, not ourselves. No, we're not self-serving. Uh, service to our fellow man, to humanity, as well as ultimately to God, are among the most important things that we do here at Gardner Web and, and things that we talk about and everything that we do. So that was just interesting. But um, I think I think that maybe Gandhi said that one, and and he took it, but uh, he's getting credit for it as well. And I'm sure that he would love to have that oh, credit. Yeah. Oh yeah. But but thinking about his controversial nature. You know, my first memory, honestly, of Muhammad Ali when I was when I was 11 years old, he lit the cauldron there for the for the torch at the 1996 Olympics yeah, in Atlanta. Yeah. I had never seen him box at that point, not not in video or, of course, in, in person or uh, on live TV or anything like that. I, I knew his name. I was aware of him. Uh, but he was a shadow of himself, his former self at that time. But he was still, he still had that twinkle in his eye, like you said, even later in his life. And, of course, seeing that made me think more about who is this guy. Mm-hmm. And so I started, and that was before YouTube and, and those kind of things. But I think I actually maybe cracked open put in a dictionary or an encyclopedia and looked at him in an actual hard copy book to try to see, Uh okay, who is this guy? How can I learn more about him? And uh, the thing that, that has stood out to me about boxing in particular and Muhammad Ali is that maybe he is one of the greatest athletes of all time who is and his stats don't matter. Yeah. I just, you know, I I can rattle off stats for all kinds of athletes. You know, Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs. People have chased that record for decades. Michael Jordan's six titles, Bill Russell's titles number, you know, with the, with the Boston Celtics, um, coaches who have a certain number of championships or wins. People are constantly chasing statistics in sports, and statistics are kind of the measure of greatness against other athletes or other coaches or, you know, you could probably even take it over to other entertainment. How many Grammys have you won? How many Oscars have you won? If you really want to get down to it, it's a measure. I don't know that we can measure Muhammad Ali against other great boxers, those he boxed and those who have come since him, you know, Tyson and, and others who, who kind of came
0: after him. I don't know that we can measure that by statistics. And, and maybe that's I mean, you can talk about how many fights did he fight and, and you know, how many did he win, how many did he lose, how many championships did he win. But he goes beyond that in that he was just that popular.
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it goes beyond statistics, and, and we like to, to talk about people who transcend their sport or people who transcend their profession or something. Maybe he actually did with his sport, mm-hmm. oh, and, yeah. and I had to really do some looking to, to kind of find his statistics and, and learn more about what he actually did in the ring, and I believe he had like a 56-5 and five record, which pretty impressive, and I understand that a couple of those defeats came in his last few matches mm-hmm. late in his career, yeah. so he was quite successful, by measure of statistics, but that's not something that people are talking about or, or that we know. Kind of one one other interesting note. I saw uh, a sports business reporter I've mentioned before, Darren Ravel for ESPN, tw- that somebody shared with him the other day. And it was amazing. It was a line of people outside of Louisville, Kentucky, who had formed hoping to get a seat at Muhammad Ali's funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, he's from Louisville. And I understand that he started boxing when somebody stole his bicycle, I think when he was 11 or 12 years old, off of a street in Louisville. I've seen that story several places and kind of doing some look back at his life. Wow, okay. So he stole his bicycle. I guess he needed something to do, and he started boxing. Um, and, of course, as, as everybody always likes to say, the rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. um, but it was just amazing seeing those people lined up and that was maybe Monday or Tuesday of this yeah, yeah. of this week as we record and the funeral I believe is Friday it's uh, it's still after right. yeah. after our recording yeah. so days mm-hmm. standing outside for a spot at a man's funeral whether whether it be because he inspired them or because they just want to seat at history yeah. I think that really is another current modern indicator of his reach.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Moving on to other things, there's been some changes in the way the NFL reviews plays. Is that right? Uh, we were talking about that a little bit ago, kind of
1: how much instant replay has come into huge um use and scrutiny in professional sports and i haven't read anything particularly yet to really speak intelligently about the nfl and how they're doing things uh the nba oh that's however, what you said yeah, yeah but that's a, <laughs> but it sparked a conversation it's yeah. an interesting topic uh the nba is is kind of they've started this thing called the last 2 minute report and the easiest way to define that is it's kind of a breakdown what did the referees supposedly do right and do wrong how, were their calls right and wrong and And I've seen multiple stories here during the playoffs of, uh, you know, seven seven missed calls in the last two minutes or something like that. Because they go back and they break down the calls and they look okay from all the angles that we can see. Was his foot actually on the line? Was he out of bounds? Was it a foul? Did he did he meet the criteria for that? And. And, and of course referees have come out they hate this re- they hate this report because well, it is direct know, scrutiny of their jobs and what they're doing of course
0: they hate it they they don't have multiple angles and multiple cameras it going got to happen right then right there in front two of eyes, them. one spot and that's it this is talking about big brother looking over you but is is there any way this is going to change the outcome of a game not really because I, you know their
1: calls their calls change the game because whatever yeah. they call, of course, sends it in a certain direction. But when you release a report afterward, and so I it's believe after the fact, it's after released the game after is the over. fact. Yeah, and I, I don't remember the time frame whether it's later that night or say the next day or or whatever. But regardless, when they release have released that report. That doesn't change the actual outcome of the game. You know, they could say that there were seven missed calls. That they can say that, say, you know, the Spurs and Thunder are playing. The Thunder won, and there are missed calls against the Spurs. They could say, well, the Spurs should have won because of those calls. But the the truth of the matter is, they're not going to go and take that win from the one team stand. and give it. The record's going to stand when the game's over. The game's over. You you see a lot of replays for um, you know hits in football. Uh, fouls and and interactions in basketball. You know, you may see it in another sport. Those are the ones that come to mind. And you see fines and you see suspensions later because of some of those things. Because you can actually look at a player's actions and decide, okay, that breaks league policy right there. That's something that we can actually punish. But you can't change a game outcome. So
0: would they perhaps fine or? Suspend a referee for too many bad calls?
1: I don't I don't know what their bylaws say or whatever description of this report is. Or their is. labor contracts.
0: Right, but it's, it's certainly under uh,
1: a lot of consideration and scrutiny right now. Um, during Game 3 of the finals, uh, some of the broadcasters had Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, there at halftime. They did a little interview, and they talked about it. And, of course, I believe that is a report, the last two-minute report about referees created by – Adam Silver, the commissioner of the league. So, of course, he stands by it. And I believe he said they're going to continue to look at it and how it needs to be utilized and reviewed and, and what the system needs to be. But I, I just see it as another instance of replay, like you said, Big Brother, uh, relying on technology and uh, to kind of govern the game. Uh, And and whether that be baseball, which has added instant replay in in recent years and has utilized it uh, in a variety of situations, whether that be basketball, where they often send replays there in the last couple of minutes, to a, a center where people are looking at monitors, they're looking at it from all these different angles to try to help the referees get it right. The role of the referee has certainly changed.
0: Yeah, you know, back before all the technology... Uh, you know, And one of the problems I have with instant replay is there's nothing instant about it. It can really break up the flow of a game. It sure does. If it's tight, if it's getting down near to the end and, and, and play is stopped while it goes upstairs and all these people take a look at it, it just kind of can really change the whole tempo of a game. And I, I don't think that's quite right, that personal opinion. But I remember back in the day, before all the technology, the referee was right even if they were wrong.
1: Yeah, you had yeah.
0: to go with the call because he has an instant to make the call, and then he got, you don't know have to like it, but that's the call. It's, there are not all these people behind him reversing this decision.
1: Yes, and as it stands right now, until they find another way to do it, his a referee's call is still a referee's call. Uh, they're not going to go back as it stands right now again and reverse the decision and outcome of a game yeah. based on that and so i think the referees are in my opinion justified in feeling like this is just a way to point fingers at us after yeah, the game yeah. Uh, as of right now, I don't think they're fined or anything like that. I, I don't know that for sure. But it, it really does mess with the flow when you use replay the way you do. I think, I think the advent of television and putting games on TV, continuing to develop new technologies. Oh,
0: and wait, it's time for a media timeout.
1: Ex- exactly. You know, there, are, there are a lot of things. I'm glad you said that because the flow of the game is disrupted as much as ever. We, we talked in a, in a recent Big Sports Fan podcast about uh, the length of baseball games how they had grown to surpass three hours. And then MLB had uh, had tried to get them under three hours, and they did by maybe three minutes or something. I think they were two hours and 57 minutes a couple years ago. But then last year, they were back over three hours. So the more of these kind of things you add, uh, the longer the broadcast will be. And as I was telling you just a couple of minutes ago, if it's not a game where I am just peeled to it because it's a team that I deeply follow – or it's not a Super Bowl or a key playoff game or something. If I'm just kind of watching it casually as a fan, the more you delay it, the more likelihood, especially if it's a late game going late into the evening, the more likely I'm going to cut the game off because it really does become a drag-out kind of thing. My mom growing up, the thing she hated most about having a son, I believe, who loves sports was – Overtime. Overtime. She did not want to see overtime. Uh, we, we'd go to Hornets games in Charlotte, and she did not want overtime. She could go. She could sit there. She, she'd love to go for for two and a half hours. You know, nice family outing. Uh-huh. But if it went to overtime, she'd had enough at that point. Yes. And the same thing at home. Honestly, I think yes. you know the game keeps on going, keeps right. on going, and particularly in certain sports that are longer than others, the three-hour football game right. or three-hour baseball right. game.
0: So, hey guys, we got to get up in the morning, right? <laughs> exactly.
1: And if you're watching it during the week, or if you have a church or something on the weekend, Saturday, that you got to get up and go do. Yeah, I mean, you you do. I mean, it it demands your time. And so the more time that they take via replay, uh, the
0: more of your time they're taking away. And in the age of technology, you can so easily, uh, I'll go to bed. I'll get up in the morning, and I'll turn on something. I'll watch a replay, a highlight show. I'll watch a YouTube video, whatever. I'll know who won. I'll know the outcome of the game.
1: And I used to watch SportsCenter all the time on ESPN on TV. Now you pick up your smartphone you you look you just go to ESPN.com in, in that case and you look and and if it's a big enough event, it's gonna be on the main page. Yeah. You have to go no further. Yeah. And you can click on it. You you immediately see the score, but you can click on it, you can probably watch a video of the mm-hmm. last two minutes or highlights of about two minutes or something like that. So you don't you don't need it. Right. Uh, and so if you're not appealed to it because it's your team or or a major game you can find other ways to get it. And yeah. and I think even though
0: – Or know, you we, can just turn on the TiVo and, and, then, and then watch it when you get out. Watch yeah. the replay.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't have to watch it in real time. Yeah. And if you can avoid spoilers, if you really want to see yeah. who won and watch it and what for you is still real time, yeah. you can do that as long as you're careful. I, I do think it's, it's something – with major corporations like the NFL and the NBA – they don't have to worry a lot of times about what fans really think. They know they've got a certain audience. They're going to have people who love their sport, who are tied to their form of entertainment. But I think there are enough factors out there that if they don't play their cards right, they could alienate enough fans that it would matter. And I think a lot of these factors that we talk about sometimes, if you put enough of them together, that could be a problem for them someday, especially as we have a, an ever-changing society with yeah. more options of entertainment yeah. uh, than ever, and more ways to to get it. Uh, and so, you know, we've talked about ticket prices. But now we're now we're talking about watching it uh, and how much replays are affecting. So all these little idiosyncrasies kind of add up and come into play when you're, you're a fan.
0: Yeah. What else on the agenda for today?
1: I think that's that's good for today, Jeff. Yeah. You know, Muhammad Ali. That's just it's it's been about a week since he he passed away, but yeah. it's just one of those things. I think we are going to continue to hear more and, and more about him. He's one of those guys. We'll see him in, in end of year reviews and and the key uh, folks who passed away in the year. Yeah. And so I think there'll be plenty of time to to continue to reflect on him. And I'm I'm glad we had a chance to talk about him a little bit today, and maybe maybe a little bit of a different perspective than yeah. we've we've seen everywhere else.
0: Yeah, um, that's it for this week's edition of The Big Sports Fan. If you have questions or comments, just email us here at info. That's info at WGWG.org. We'll make sure that Matthew gets all the comments and can respond to them. Until next time, thanks for listening.